everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today is Star Wars Day. Uh, May the 4th be with you. Uh, whether you're watching us live, watching us on YouTube, or listening after the fact, I hope everyone had a great Star Wars Day. We're going to make it even better by talking about not one, not two, but three Star Wars-related projects. Um, but first, before we get into all of that, if you subscribe to You Have to Watch This Podcast on any podcasting platform, you would see that today we released our very first commentary. Over the weekend, we recorded a commentary for Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. And you can go to your favorite podcasting platform right now and download that, stream it, um, and watch it. Uh, and watch episode three along with us. Uh, we do a whole commentary th- for the whole film, uh, all two hours and 20 minutes. I think it was, Yeah, it was longer than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you guys can go check that out. The link is in the discord chat. Can one of you guys please share the link into the Facebook chat for me? Yo, I got you. Devin, um, that's all you. <laughs> yeah. And shared. Awesome. Go take a look in the Facebook chat. All right. Um, so, yeah, so check that out. Uh, if if you like it, let us know what you want us to do a commentary for next. I've got some fun ones planned for later on in the year. But right now we're just kind of mm. like treading water, fig- figuring this out. We have some weird technical difficulties that involve the passage yeah. of time. <laughs> like time was going a lot smoother for you two than it was for me. Like I, we started at the same time. I was controlling the stream, and somehow I ended up a minute behind. Uh, but we we slowly out, too, yeah, which is the yeah. funny thing. <laughs> like I get the feeling that they would have been on Mustafar, and I would have still like Anakin would have still been Anakin and not Vader. So <laughs> so many um, younglings would have still been alive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so check that out. Um, Without further ado, I think we need to get into some of our lighter Star Wars, the, the, the more Star Wars related stuff before we get into today, today's film, which is the, the Kurosawa film, The Hidden Fortress, one of the films that George Lucas was inspired by before he made the original Star Wars. Uh, but before we do that, Disney decided to release a lot of Star Wars stuff for Star Wars Day on yeah. Disney+. Plus. The first of which... I was not expecting, but I absolutely enjoyed The Force Awakens from its nap, starring Maggie <laughs> Snip Simpson. Um, so this is a three-minute short that Disney released on Disney Plus today um, in the vein of the Maggie Simpson shorts that they've done before. It's just Maggie set to music and going through a, a Star Wars-themed daycare. Um, what did you guys think of Maggie Simpson in The Force Awakens from its nap? I loved it. This three-minute clip took me about 12 minutes to watch because I kept having to pause, rewind, go back. Oh, I did catch that in the background. Okay. Oh, oh, what did that sign say? Because this, every frame of this was a masterpiece. Everything was a reference. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I knew that I missed stuff because I... I only went through and watched it once. I know that I'm going to go back and watch it again, but I know there's stuff that I missed, but there's two moments that I actually laughed out loud at. And the thing was great. So this has Easter eggs and references to all three trilogies, 
you've got Lando in there. You've got Darth Maul. You've got B- all the BB-8s. Um, all the BB-8s. All of them. All of them. Uh, <laughs> and you even have Ahsoka Tano. Uh, so bringing in the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian a little bit. Um, I really enjoyed this. If you have Disney+, Plus, I highly recommend you watch this, whether you're a Simpsons fan or a Star Wars fan, or if you're both, this is right up your alley. Uh, I also recommend the other Maggie Simpson shorts. I've only seen the other, the the first oh. one. Oh yeah. I never saw the one that they released with Onward because I still haven't watched Onward. Um, you gotta watch it. It's so good. I know. Um, I don't know what my excuse is, but I highly recommend the the Maggie Simpson shorts. Um, and if you let one, if you want to hear me deep dive on the Simpsons, check out Victims and Villains episode where I do my top ten episodes of the Simpsons with Josh over there. So. Which one of them, I think, was a reference in this one, right? Because uh, they first go to drop her off at the Ayn Rand daycare. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was on, like, where that was introduced was on your list, I think. Or the I episode that one was introduced. I don't think that was on my list. Got it. Okay. It would have been on mine. Yeah. That is a good one. Um, though I will say the uh, unibrow baby being Darth Maul. I don't know why. <laughs> But I really expected that that uh, the hood to come down and just be Stewie Griffin. Like, hello, Maggie. It would have worked so well, though. <laughs> At last I All reveal right. myself. At last I shall have revenge. Damn you, vile woman. Uh, <laughs> back when, yeah, back when that was Stewie's, like, character arc. Yeah. Um, I, I saw... think the most inspired thing about this whole thing was Grievous changing diapers. Yes. <laughs> Who was Grievous <laughs> supposed to be? Was he, like, a stand-in for someone? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he was okay. just like, we're going to give the guy with multiple arms diaper duty. Because yeah. I know like Snoke was Burns. My, that was my favorite reference. Like at the end <laughs> when they do the uh, title, the, the paintings yeah. like they do on the Mandalorian. Snoke, uh, Mr. Burns is Snoke. I want to get that framed and hang it on my wall. <laughs> Mine was just Homer at the bar. That yep. was a good one too that one and then i loved the uh the, the uh was it the uh um the timeout rack oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> just carbon freeze just just, yeah. just carbon freeze everybody okay carbon- so here's here's how much of a nerd i was with those end those end like little freeze stills there's one where i think chewbacca is getting married to patty or something mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah um in that scene the preacher's holding a book with star wars script written in it i have the Disneyland Star Wars data pad app that translates Star Wars here. I put what's written in that book into the data pad app and it says, may the force be with you. Damn it. Simpsons. You're so cool. Did you guys catch the hidden Mickey in this? Yeah. At the very end. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the Grace films logo. I love that. Um, all right. That's enough. Like I, we've, we've gone on for like (laughs) 10 minutes about this, uh, three minutes short. (laughs) If you have Disney Plus, check it out. It's well worth the time. Um, as is The Simpsons in general. So, yeah. all 30 years of it. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, all right. So, that wasn't the only thing that Disney Plus dropped today. And we're going to talk a little bit spoiler free about the series premiere of The Bad Batch. Uh, this is the sequel show slash spinoff to The Clone Wars. And... Uh, we've all seen the Clone Wars. We've all seen Rebels, right? No. Okay. I haven't seen all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We're not gonna. I know the I know the rebels connections okay. in this one. I get we're it. We're not gonna get into spoilers. Are you sure? We're not gonna we're Maybe. not gonna get into spoilers. <laughs> there is a rebels connection, but we're not gonna deep dive into that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, no. So I just want to give him a hard time. <laughs> what What did you guys think of this uh, seventy minute episode of the Bad Batch? It was everything that I wanted a Bad Batch like season opener to be. Okay. So 100%. I am like I'm on cloud nine with this at the moment. Is that the right Rome. phrase? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Roman and I or... recently tried to watch uh, Rebels, and we can't get past the first episode. We are hooked on this right away. Oh, that's. We'll have to deep dive into that here in a minute. But okay. Yeah. I I really enjoyed this. Uh, it. The art style, like it's. It was nice seeing the Clone Wars logo again, and then having it mm-hmm. transition to the Bad Batch. Um. Slide spoilers. I kind of knew we were going to see Order sixty six again because I don't know how you tell a story in this chunk of time without yeah. showing Order sixty six again. Um, but no, I really enjoyed um all of the characters in this. The, the even the new characters they brought in. Uh, Omega, I think is her name. Yeah, I really like where they're. I, I'm really curious to see where they go for sixteen episodes of this show. Um, it's that long? Yeah. According to IMDb, can, at least. Can we please not pretend that 16 is a long season? <laughs> I mean, for a Disney Plus show, it kind of is. Okay, so, but, okay, so, quick 20-second discussion. How long has Disney Plus been around? Two, Two years. years. How many episodes did Game of Thrones have a season? Ten? Ten. Okay. That, to me, is like a really short season. Mm-hmm. I was actually disappointed with Falcon and the Winter Soldier with how short that was. Sure. Well, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a miniseries. This is a full-on season. A full-on <laughs> season should have at least 15 or more episodes in it. If it has any less than that, it's a miniseries. Regardless if it has multiple I, seasons. I, I'm not getting into this because this could go on for hours. <laughs> uh, it could. <laughs> but technically speaking... Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was a miniseries from an award standpoint because that's how they categorize everything. That's how they um, get the awards. And I think a lot of shows have been going to the shorter season format instead of doing the 24 like they had to do for sweeps. But like anything oh, right. streaming is usually 10 or 12 episodes. The fact that this is 16 is phenomenal to me. I'm looking forward to way like all of the Star Wars they can give me over the summer. Uh, Are they all going to be an hour? No. They better. Be- oh, man. Uh, no, this was a supersized premiere episode. I think they're all going to be like half hour, back to like the Clone Wars format before before the okay. finale. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we're going to get to the point this summer where we're going to have the Bad Batch and Loki premiere on the same day. So like, oh, wow. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Um, yeah. I didn't know this was set in the time period that it's set in. Um I thought this was going to be like an origin story for the Bad Batch and that episode one was going to be like, you're a modified clone. I'm a modified clone. Hey, together we make one Bad Batch. Like, that's what I thought the episode was going to be. Yeah. And that's what I'm so happy that it wasn't that in every way. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we did get some flashback episodes in the future because there is Mm -hmm. so much time that we haven't seen the, the Bad Batch. Um, 
But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this show. D. Bradley Baker, though, is like 99% of this cast because he plays all of the clones. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the show. We get a new episode on Friday. So oh, that's cool. We only have to wait a few days. That's the best thing about May the 4th. When they drop Star Wars stuff, you get more stuff the next day or next a few <laughs> days later um but anything else so we can yeah i have one thing yes. and i have a confession to make this series and i'm not going to get into spoilers might turn my opinion around on a character okay a character was introduced in this that i've historically just hated that oh yeah that character is pretty freaking cool in this episode yeah, as soon as that happened Mm-hmm. I was like, thank thank you. Thank you. Because finally I'm not gonna have to deal with this anymore. Because every time we talk about this guy, you go off the you know rails. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, finally, thank you. So because I liked it. Okay, so Devin, you did bring up that you tried watching Rebels but couldn't get past the first episode. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a, a, okay. a minute. Why yeah, couldn't we need you get to. past the first episode of Rebels? All right, I think it's timing for me. I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna be as generous as possible and not be a jerk about nitpicky things. I think it's timing. I came right off of the high that was the clone the Clone Wars finale when I need more. Rebels is gonna give me more. Rebels is not at least season one episode one. Rebels is not more. Rebels is that early on. I, I hear it gets better. I hear it gets phenomenal. That early on, Rebels feels like a kids show. And episode one and two feel like, oh, look at this quirky little cast of characters we got flying on the ship. And, like, that wasn't what I was ready for after, okay. like, emotional Vader. Yeah, it, it is a, after, I can I can understand that coming from the Clone Wars finale into yeah. Rebels. It is a bit mm-hmm. jarring. Yeah. Um, I will say season one of Rebels is a slow burn. Sure. But by the time you get to that finale, it is well worth it. And season two delivers on everything that you want from Rebels. Okay. From what you just said, I can promise you, episode season two delivers mm-hmm. on everything that you want. Okay. okay. So. And then, and then of course, here's my thing, which you're probably going to hate because I'm going to relate two shows you're not going to want related. You like Good. Breaking Bad, right? Yes. It took me forever to get through season one of Breaking Bad. Sure. Because it was the slowest, dumbest thing I'd ever seen. And then finally <laughs> season two started, and I was like, oh my god, thank god I watched season one, because this is amazing, because everything's yeah. paying off from the first season. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I just need, I think I just need to be in the right headspace for it. And I just, like, I wasn't ready for it to be that, like, drastic a change. Because it's still Dave Filoni, right? Like, yes. it's still yeah. the same writer was in charge of this, like... Mm-hmm. So I feel like the writing is still going to be as good. George Lucas's Padawan, as I like to consider him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because so, he worked with Lucas directly on the Clone Wars. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. George Lucas was heavily involved in the Clone Wars for the first few years. After Disney That's cool. bought them out, not so much. But... Uh, Side note, are we still going to get announcer guy for Bad Batch? Because he was in this episode and was great. I don't think so. Uh, I think that was like a one and done thing because it was kind of like still during the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think so, but I'd be okay if we did. Like, I enjoyed that part of it a lot. Yeah, and I like that he showed up in some episodes. So, oh, it's that guy. A- announcer guy? 
at the beginning of every clone tree, like, and now the Sith are on planet, you know, whatever, and the, the Jedi are leading an alliance. Like, the, the announcer guy. I love him. I love him. Last time on person. That's what I always refer yeah. them to. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the wartime narrator. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Give the, me the that. The newsreel guy. Yeah. The newsreel guy. Yeah, um, Charles Foster Kane and Chancellor Pavel. Right? Like, <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else uh, Star Wars related that we want to talk about before we get into the today's film? One thing. Yes. And this is because I'm me. Did we see the lightsabers that the Disney parks announced? Yes. What? <laughs> okay. So Sorry, that was it. Let's fill, let's fill Ryan in on this. Disney filed a patent for a... Uh, you know, the, everyone has those lightsabers now that aren't retractable. like The glass ones. The, yeah. gla- the glass neopixel lighting yeah. lightsabers. Disney filed a patent for a retracting lightsaber that is LED lit. And they revealed a video of it uh, extending today. And it looks phenomenal. It looks real good. And um, it like... The, like the noise happens at just the right times. Oh, in the feels, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I want one. Like, I, I was really tempted to go online and book my trip to Disney after that, but uh, not gonna happen for a few years. Uh. Look, I was already ready to pay two hundred dollars for a non-retractable lightsaber. You can tack another zero on the end of that, and I'll buy yeah. the retractable one. I mean, I've already got my uh, plastic. Technically, also retractable. Also retractable. See, to me, if I ever get one of those, like, hundred plus, close to thousand dollar, like, those, like, LED, like, glass, like, uh, lightsabers, I'm getting one of those, like, hangers for the wall and turning it into a lamp. Mm -hmm. Right, which is really cool. And I'm never, and I'm never going to touch it again, because if it costs that much, there's no way I'm ever going to use it. Oh, you don't you like even to play with it. They, I mean, they make them for battles. Like they they, they make yeah. certain oh. ones for battling. You can get ones that aren't made for that, and you can just Obi Annie all day. Um, I don't care if it's made or not. It is getting hung up, and it is going to get dusted every now and then, and it's going to be turned on and off as a lamp. And I'm not going to use it because, believe me, if it can break, I'll find a way to unintentionally break it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had that. My. It, Quick tangent, I got the sword sting from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was the coolest freaking present I've ever gotten, and it broke in half, and I regret it to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it is like, I, I think about it sometimes. I'm so mad about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Collectors. The, the, nerds. That's what we do. <laughs> nerds. Yeah. Um, okay. So, without further ado, let's get into the, today's uh, main topic. Uh, the Kurosawa film that inspired George Lucas on aspects of Star Wars, The Hidden Fortress. Uh, this is a film that none of us had seen going into today. And since we've seen all of the Star Wars films and didn't feel like talking about the Ewok movies, here we are. Uh, so, what is your guys' experience with Kurosawa films? Have you seen any of them? Are you familiar with his work? I could tell by he, Ryan's laugh that he has been mentioned a lot in a lot of interviews I've seen. He has been the inspiration for a lot of directors and a lot of movies I've seen. 
I don't know if I've ever seen one all the way through like I have today where I was like, I'm going to watch a one of his movies and sit down and watch it. So this is probably the first one I've actually intentionally watched. Devin, how about you? I'm pretty similar. Um, I think probably the closest I come to actually watching a Kurosawa movie is uh, I played a video game called Ghosts of Tsushima. And it is based on a Kurosawa, like it's all Kurosawa style. And there's even like a button you can push to turn it into Kurosawa mode. Uh, and I did that for a bit. Um, and apparently the, like the plot arcs are structured very similarly. But I've never watched a movie uh, from him before. And I'm actually really glad I did. So the other film that you probably have heard of from him is The Seven Samurai. Yep. Yeah. Which is the uh, inspiration for The Magnificent Seven. The Western. Oh, I didn't know that. That um, makes sense. So, yeah, I've never seen a Kurosawa film. Somehow I made it through film school without seeing a Kurosawa film. I or saw, Citizen Kane. Or Citizen Kane. But I saw the same uh, same Hitchcock film four times. So. Rear Window? Rear Window, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Penn State. <laughs> yep. Um, but, yeah, so... The Hidden Fortress came out in 1958. I'm not even going to try to say the uh, actors' names, but the film is... Um, the, the summary of the film is, Lured by gold, two greedy peasants unknowingly escort a princess and her general across enemy lines. Um, before we get into the, uh, the similarities with Star Wars and its influence <laughs> on Star Wars, what did you guys think of this film? It was funny. I mean, I mean, it's like there were points where I'm like, "Is this a comedy?" <laughs> and it would go through. I'm like, "Oh no, that's this is a very serious storyline." And then you get to those, and then and then it would cut to those two buffoons. And I'm like, "No, this is definitely <laughs> a comedy. This has to be." So I told myself that I was going to look uh, um, to look it up, and I didn't. But I mean, to me, this comes off as like a good mix of like how you can do like a real serious storyline. With like, just a complete slapstick comedy side to it, like it was, it was, it, it was very cool. <laughs> well, and to that point, I love that it was so character focused. Like that was yeah. one of the things that stood out to me when I watched it. I was like, wow, like these are huge characters. Like you know exactly how they're going to react in any situation. Like I could fast forward ten years in each one of these people's lives, and I can tell you exactly how each one is going to act. And like I love that. Yeah, it's very... I don't think there's, like, one scene that's fully indoors. Like, everything's outside. Yeah. Uh, it takes place during a, a conflict in Japan that I'm not familiar with at all. Um, so, I did some looking up ar mm -hmm. around this. So, the movie takes place during the 16th century. Mm -hmm. So, okay. between... Now, if I'm right on the years, because I looked up some other stuff, because I wanted to know what was going on in, like, Europe like European history at the time. Um, I think it's like 1400s to the 1500s for like the 16th century. I think, I think that's how that works out. Mm -hmm. Or is it the, the fifth, whatever. Anyway, so it's taking place during a time when Japan was at war with itself for like almost 200 years because oh, wow. all of these different warlords and lords more or less, had control and they were battling for, like, domination of the whole country. But you had, like, fit, but you had, like, 20 or 25 different families, or if, you know, if uh, if not more. So, think of, like, me, so, like, think of medieval Europe. 
and mm-hmm. like all of the different kingdoms and they're constantly at war with each other it's the same thing got it well that's definitely what it felt like plot wise because i mean the plot is that like they needed to get back basically to friendly like enemy area or friendly area and they had to go through like two different enemy borders just to get to a safe passage to theirs yeah mm-hmm. was there any moment in this film that stood out to you not because of the star wars stuff but just because uh something else the use of guns and i had to look this up that was one of the things that i actually um like uh as when I first started researching, like, you know, like, when did the movie take place? Uh, because I hear the gunshots, and I'm like, okay, so I know Japan had firearms mm-hmm. pretty early on, around the same time as Europe did, but I couldn't remember if they were the first ones to actually develop physical firearms, because I know they were the ones who developed gunpowder. So when I looked it up, gunpowder got back to Europe from them through trading. Mm-hmm. And then firearms, basic handheld firearms, got back to Japan from europe so it was like europeans got the gunpowder they're the ones that like made hand-fired weapons like Mm -hmm. more practical and then that design got over to japan through trading and then that's how they ended up with like their weird like hand cannon things that europe was using at the same time and i love the tactics of how they used it because they were pretty much using kind of napoleonistic of um firing lines where instead of people just standing in rows the first Mm -hmm. row would fire they would retreat the second row would come up and they'd fire and a a perfect example of this was when there was like the workers revolt or like the pow revolt when they were running down the staircase that was a perfect example of it and that's when i had to pause the movie and research this because i found it fascinating okay i mean i think a lot of the big crowd scenes really impressed me just because of I mean, how practical, like, it's all shot practically because it has to be. It's the 50s. Uh, And, like, some of the big crowd scenes just really got me. Like, just how much, like, acting had to have gone into it, how much, like, coordination had to have gone into it for all of that to kind of come together, I really appreciated. But I think if we're talking specific scene, I liked... Yeah, I mean, the Slave Revolt was good. I liked, oh, the horse chase. I really liked the horse chase. The horse chase fight with Maccabee, I thought was so cool. I thought you were going to bring that up as a scene that irritated you. No, I loved it. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, because they definitely just repeated the same two-second scene for each person like four times. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It's a long distance, but they're going on the same spot. Like, come on, <laughs> do something different here. <laughs> for me, it's the scene right after that, the uh, the battle, the spear fight. I really enjoyed that because it was just I, I had to split this film in the two viewings because I started watching it late last night. Um, but that was like I wanted to like I was getting tired, but that like had me on the edge of my seat just watching them battle that way with this with the spears and like tearing down the, the tents and everyone re- like jumping back away from the spears as they're swinging them. Uh, it was just really intense and really enjoyable. Well, and that's the thing is for not a lot of action, it does a good job of packing a lot of tension into the, the fight scenes. Because, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just like, okay, that guy barely grazed someone with a sword and now that guy's dead. Like, you don't see this, like, huge spurt of blood. There's not this, like, you know, one person is getting attacked by an army, but every fight means something, and that's really well done. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I actually miss from movies a lot. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. 
one of the things that I'm starting to get tired with with a lot of like the newer movies is like, let's take Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like five minutes in, I'm like, okay, I get it. Get to the point. <laughs> y- you know what I mean? Yeah. And you can say the same thing for almost every movie made in the past like 30 years. Like, okay, I get it. Can we please end the fight now? Because mm-hmm. this isn't helping anything. <laughs> so what did you guys think of the characters? Because that was really what stood out to me the most. And I'm going to be honest, I really, it took me almost the whole movie to come around on the princess. I straight up did not like her when she was on screen for the first, like, I mean, basically until she, like, until, like, halfway between her, like, her adventure, I just did not like that character. And then, like, she got much better for me. What what didn't you like about her? Yeah. I didn't like, so I didn't like the way that she was set up and delivered on the premise, where she, like, was very strict and very loud, and then they were like, ah. That dad raised her like a man. And then her, like, interpretation of a woman raised like a man was just loud and, like, ornery. And I was like, you could have played that any other way. Or, like, that could have been but, written any other way. But, and, like, I mean, it had to just be like, oh, I'm a guy. And it, like, seemed like it was too much. Every single time I've ever seen a teenage boy as royalty during the Dark Ages, which is pretty much what Japan was going through at the time that this movie mm-hmm. was set acts like that there is no difference between her portrayal of her character in this and the prince slash king uh in russell crowe's robin hood okay i'll give you that i think what got me with her is that they wanted to show that juxtaposition they wanted to show okay she acts like this outwardly and they're like you know we've never seen her cry and then a second later, she's, like, bawling in front of a waving flag. And, like, they wanted to show that that humanity is in her. And then, you know, eventually that's her journey, basically, as a person, which I liked the journey. I just don't, like, I just thought where she started was just so over the top. I guess I, guess I got her humanity when she was yelling at him, mm-hmm. at her general, for not being emotional when finding out that his sister was beheaded. And she's yelling at him going, no, 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 no. She shouldn't have had to do that. Why am I, why am I here at 16 still alive? And she had to give up her life. What's the difference between us? And then they were telling her, you're royalty. royalty. (laughs) Maybe it was the delivery then because she just was very loud. And I was like, I get it. She's being forceful here. But maybe it just like, there's something about it. It just like didn't click yet for me. Okay. I, I don't know. I guess I might have anything that might have, I guess, irritated me about a character in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of passed off of, okay, I guess there's cultural stuff. I just don't understand. And I had to do, and it was, Mm -hmm. I had, I had that thought maybe four or five times in this where they would do something. And I'm like, okay, this is something that's vaguely familiar, but it's something I'm just not getting because I'm American. (laughs) I think they're only really like, Aside from that, which is, I guess, just a portrayal thing and just, I think, an expectation thing, there was, I think, the the main two characters I loved the most. (laughs) Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) Or, if you want to get specific with it, because it's Star Wars Day, R2 and 3PO. See, I had that thought. I really did when I was watching the movie, especially Mm -hmm. when they were bickering at the beginning. In the desert? 
in the desert and I was like, oh my God, this is R2. Yeah. And, you know, and 3PO, but then it got to be like how greedy they were. And I know that this is supposed to be like an inspiration and he wasn't copying it to make Star Wars. So I totally get that they're yeah. not really supposed to be the same characters. Completely understand that. But going off of just their characters, these two are Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, no, they really are. <laughs> the, 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 I think we can get into the Star Wars comparisons now. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Because the, the, George Lucas's main takeaway from this movie is telling the story from the lowest character's point of view. And in this mm-hmm. film, it's the peasants. So in Star Wars, you have the story being told through the point of view of R2 and 3PO. Like, they're mm-hmm. the first ones you see in the whole story, the whole first act revolves around them and going down the Tatooine and getting separated and like the Jawas and being sold to Luke. So you get the whole story unravels because of them and their, their journey. And is it dumb? And it probably is that it took me until watching this to realize that like C3PO and R2 are the main characters of a new hope. Because I, I didn't really, re- I was like, okay, like, I guess I just kind of waved the, the first act off as, like, world building until we got to the real main character. It, it can be both. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I, would, I would argue and say, yes, they are the main, the story is told from their point of view, but I would say yeah. the main character is Luke Skywalker. Because even okay. though it does the Kurosawa thing of following the lowest characters, it also does a Joseph Campbell's hero's journey with Luke Skywalker and being set on this journey and all of the steps that he gets, he goes through in that film follows that beat for beat. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you want to learn the hero's journey. You watch star Wars (laughs) and look at Luke Skywalker in a new hope. Um, So I think it's a, it's a mix of stuff. Um, So it's not just, it's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say R2, D2 and 3PO are the main characters, but I would say the story they're central to the story. They're not just side characters. They're like the point of view characters. Yeah, basically. If it, they, yeah, they're the ones who set off the story, set off the the arc in that one. I mean, and that makes sense as to why George Lucas wanted them in all, because even his like plan of trilogy of trilogies back when that was a thing, like he wanted them in all of them, and it would make sense if he'd want those point of view characters in all of them. Then, yeah, and I mean that's like the the most consistent thing in the Star Wars films is R two and three PO. Which is why they show up in everything. Except for Solo. I think that's the only film they didn't show up in. That's so weird. Um, And you see what happened to that one? Yeah. Um, Wait, they were in Rogue One? Yeah. Yeah, They have like a little cameo. Real quick. Like two seconds. They were like off to the side. After Bail Organa's like, I know who I can send. They're like, R2, something's going on. And all the ships are taken off to go (laughs) go to Scarif. Um, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, but uh, you might not have recognized him. But three uh, PO is in in Force Awakens, but he has a red arm. Oh, I didn't recognize him because yeah. the red arm. <laughs> so anyway, so my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> we sail past that. So my favorite character in this is the general, and I know that that's probably a given for a lot of people since he's on the cover of the freaking yeah. poster. So I mean, you know, um, but I love the even though they don't really touch on it much, they touch on it just enough to show the emotional connection, mm-hmm. which is the friendship he has with the rival general. Favorite line of the whole movie though, is yeah. when he was tied up and he's like, you and I are true friends, even though we're enemies. I'm like, good freaking writing, man. 
Well, see, and and that gets into something that I talked about in an old podcast that we did. A, I was about to do like a double sentence thing. <laughs> we, I mentioned something, and I forget which which movie it was, but the reason why, um, like even when like Europe was going through like you know the Dark Ages and mm-hmm. that that part of like the Renaissance where like the church took over. Where even though, like, war and murder in war was, like, not seen as a sin, because they ruled that murdering someone is only a sin when there's actual hate or emotion involved in it. When you kill someone in battle, you're following orders, and you don't hate that person, so technically it's not a sin. Like, they boiled it down to, like, that, like, nuanced. Um, That I loved that they did that in that that line came up in this movie because it's almost kind of the same thing it's like look you have your lord i have mine we're best friends but when it comes down to duty and honor we have to do what we have to do and and you know and if i kill you on the battlefield i don't hate you i love you like a brother but Mm -hmm. this is what i have to do almost reminds you of a relationship in star wars right yeah <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that you have that even have that dynamic going into the prequels with Anakin and Obi Wan. Yes. Yeah. By the time you get to the end of Episode Three, that's pretty much their dynamic. They they love each other, but they're enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it I, surprised I, me how much like Star Wars was in this movie because I thought this was just going to be beat for beat A New Hope, but there's stuff in here that he pulls from even in the prequels. Yeah. Okay. Um. Can I? There's something that I didn't take a note and I really want to get this out and it has to do with yeah. it has to do with the like concept art for New Hope. Like I'm talking like all of these like books that they sell that has yeah. all the original concept art in it. The spring at the hidden fortress, there's two shots where the camera's on the other side of the spring mm-hmm. and there's like one character comes up behind the bush or trees and they're looking at the spring. It is the exact frame that somebody drew George Lucas or somebody who he had who was an artist make make a concept pick painting of where the force was supposed to be originated from a lake like a spring the force mm-hmm. was originally the source and the original storyline that George Lucas, that George Lucas came up with the force came from one location in the galaxy which was in a spring or like a lake and the concept art is the frame of the general looking at the lake in yeah. the woods. That's cool. That is cool. It's exact. Um, <laughs> it sounds more like Lost, like the, the final yeah, season of Lost. Yeah, it feels like it. <coughs> um, well, I mean, um, even to it, that, like, apparently uh, George Lucas wanted uh, Mufune, the guy that played uh, General Maccabee, like, wanted him to be Obi-Wan, like, during early stages of this movie which would have just fed into the concept art. Yeah. Um, in the early stages of this movie, though, of, of Star Wars, the script is completely different than what we got. Um, and the princess in the general aspect was more in sync with Star Wars and the Hidden Fortress than it is in the final film. Because in this one, you have the princess being mute and, mm-hmm. like... Um, boyish like they say in the film but in star wars like she's a rebel man (laughs) like she's like badass like i i I can save myself uh and that's not like i watched an interview with george lucas where he's talking about the hidden fortress that's not where he 
like the sim that's where the similarities end with the film like you have the peasants which are the stand-ins for where r2 and 3po are the stand-ins but the mm. princess dynamic this is kind of a coincidence uh but it, it was a little bit more closer to the hidden fortress early on in the star wars that's cool i mean is watching this movie knowing that this is where star wars came from no because no no if anything <laughs> no. i think i think it's it engaged me a little bit more because there like there were shots where i'm like this feels just like star wars like them walking mm-hmm. in the desert in the opening uh even the staircase scenes because there are a few of them felt mm-hmm. like going in the jabba's palace like even in later on in like Re- return of the jedi like it, it felt like those films uh in those moments I could almost hear John Williams score as they were at, for some of these shots. One of the one of one of the things that I did, um, I didn't get to finish it, but about like two hours ago, I started watching New Hope mm-hmm. uh, before oh. jumping on here, and even like the camera angles mm-hmm. and the scene positioning and the lighting was stolen like i don't i don't want to say copied i don't want to say you know some stolen just <laughs> no no in the end I'll, I'll have to send you guys the interview that i watched with lucas but that's he pretty much says that's where yeah. he was influenced the most from this film was the yeah. camera angles and the, the lenses that they used and the type of type of shots that they did yep uh even that that horse chase scene that we talked about earlier i i felt like that was the tie fighter run exactly on the death star or the x-wing run yeah, um, I know it is. <laughs> and like, then that, sorry, it's not subtle. Like George Lucas <laughs> yeah. is is not subtle about it. Like okay. it, it is a That's lot fair. of influences and like how how would they have filmed this? And it's directly from that. So now, um, would you say that the scene that you like, Alan, with the spear fight? Yeah. Um, that's Obi Wan and Darth Vader fighting in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Like one hundred percent, like one hundred percent. That that's what that is. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and to be fair, it actually helped that scene for me because I now that I've, I've my eyes are open to what a lightsaber fight could be, I like sit back and watch Obi Wan and Darth Vader fight and go, "All right, fight! Come on, you can do this. I've seen I you mean, do he, it younger." And now it's just he's like Obi Wan's like eighty. You've got to understand. And the other guy, come the on. other guy's probably a rusted robot by now. Exactly. But like, exactly. It's, it adds a stylistic layer where like the pauses are intentional. The building of tension is palpable, and it's not you know oh they just didn't know how to film a lightsaber fight in the seventies. It's no, he's going for something. Yeah, and that's and that's honestly what I'm kind of talking about. Where like you've mm-hmm. got let's say they were to do another star Wars movie that didn't follow the Skywalkers, but it was somebody else. Okay. How dare and, you? And they decided to have like, you know, like a lightsaber fight. I guarantee you it'll be like 10 minutes long and ridiculous stunts and CGI showing off and all this other stuff. When the fight could literally be four minutes long and actually tell a story and just not be in and just not be in there for entertainment sake, but be in there for reason's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, it just felt to me like stylistically they just flipped what lightsaber fights meant. Where they were like, okay, look, we did the Kurosawa fights. Let's not do them for the prequel trilogy. Let's find another source. And it almost felt like they like looked at the Matrix or like 
you know, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like some of those like high action movies. And they were like, okay, those now. I, I think that's one thing, I, not to get on this too much, because Devin hasn't seen it, <laughs> but that's one thing Rebels does really well is gives meaning to the lightsaber fights. Like, there is a duel that I don't want to get into details for because it's spoilers, but there mm-hmm. is a duel where the actor says, no, beat for beat, this is what's happening in this fight. Uh, and he goes through all of the motions that his char- that the character does to sim that's in what each one of them means. And when you get to that point, Devin, I will send you the video, but going off of something we've all seen in episode mm-hmm. one, like the duel of the fates, Obi-Wan and Gligon versus Darth Maul. Like right. that's not just the, yes, he's got a double sided lightsaber, but that's about the, the fate of Aaron, Anakin Skywalker. If mm-hmm. Obi, if Qui-Gon Jinn makes it out alive, the galaxy's safe. If if he dies, Obi Wan's responsible for Anakin, and he'll eventually fall to the dark side. It, it, if Qui Gon lives, Dave Filoni has gone on record about this a lot. Uh, if you watch the Mandalorian documentary, he does a whole like ten minute segment about it. Don't know how it comes up talking about the Mandalorian, but it does. <laughs> Good. Um, but he goes in the detail on what the duel of the fates really means. So I think the meaning's always been like, is, is was there for the especially for the prequels, mm-hmm. uh, and even even in the originals. I think I think the sequels kind of lost it a little bit, but well, it it feels like there are some parts and in, in some fights in the prequel trilogies that just are lightsaber fights for lightsaber fights because like okay now they have to do the thing, um, yeah. And I think they lost it where like they lost the spec. It's the spectacle is cool, but it's the meaning behind it that makes it cool. And I think I, well, we talked about revenge of the Sith the other day. I think that does a good bit of both. Like, I think the Anakin and Obi-Wan fight is very stylistic and very look what we can do. Mm. But at the same time, there's a lot of weight to that battle. Even the, Yoda and Palpatine fight. There's a lot of He's weight to literally that. Literally throwing the mm-hmm. Senate at him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so. so we got 47 minutes into this before I froze. Yes. That's actually pretty hey. good. That's a new record. <laughs> Gotta take the picture for the montage. <laughs> <laughs> It okay. looks like it just looks like you're reading something off to the side. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, what I was gonna do is I saw the setup you were doing, and I grabbed my Bradledge bobblehead, and I was gonna hold it up to, to the screen and say Bradledge uh, um, agrees and pop his head, <laughs> sweet jingles back and forth, and that's why my arm was going across because I was trying to move him over without like flashing, you know, his butt in the <laughs> camera. Good. <laughs> Okay, so were there any oh, well. other any other Star Wars connections that you guys made in this film? So um, I can't think of anything right now, but there's something I want to talk about, and it has okay. to do with that spear fight. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, two things. One, so if I were to like walk into like a medieval like castle and or like a fort, and I saw like a range set up for like archers to like practice on, I think I'd. Un, you know know what that would look like and be able to like recognize it mm-hmm. what was that room they were in with like what looked like to be 
tables standing up and tiny little chairs sitting around because yeah, those almost because because those almost looked like archery targets but i don't understand what the little chairs were for and they there may, wasn't enough room for the whole archery been, thing they may have been massage tables or just like resting areas i don't know because it because the thing is like they were they were at a really high angle like they were almost standing straight up yeah i'm not sure and they yeah, so I mean, so there's that. Um, mm-hmm. And then two, when he was going around checking the spears, I had a mystery, uh, I had a mystery theater moment yes. when he was going around testing the ch- uh, um, the spears, and he got to the oh good, I'm, I'm not frozen anymore. He got to the um, he got to the last one, and he took it. And in my head, I heard the silver or no, the golden robot from mystery. Yeah. Theater three thousand go. Oh, fine. Just don't ruin it. <laughs> you know, like you know, like oh, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, back to my question. Was there any other Star Wars connections that you guys made throughout the film? Yeah, that we have a bunch. Yeah, I mean, still, like, I mean, in general, the the clone or not the clone, the the body double getting killed in the beginning. Um, yeah. In place, like I mean, that was in episode one. Yeah. Uh, the the bad guy having a change of heart at the end, and kind of turning on everyone else. That sounded really familiar, and made me feel like George Lucas had more of a plan for the trilo- original like trilogy than I thought he did, which is cool. Yeah. And I also got some pretty serious uh, of the main two, the one we keep calling like C three PO and uh, and R two. I also got some pretty like hardcore uh, Han and Chewie vibes from them too. Just yeah. like the, yeah, the could greed and the smuggler kind of thing. Like they were like if if they were the com- the uh, comedic relief. So it, it's a combination of R two and three PO, Han mm-hmm. and Chewie, with a I want I want to say dash, but like a little bit too much Jar Jar. Yeah, because there's some Jar Jar there too. <laughs> Yes, they, there is. The yeah. way they keep messing up. Um, which makes me kind of appreciate Jar Jar Binks a little bit more. Um, which is weird. He's not, that, he's not that bad of a character. He he's really not that isn't. Bad of, he's not that bad of a character. The way they use him is overdone in episode one. Yes. And you know what? Brad Lidge agrees. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. I'm glad there you we go. Got you know, I, I got you, it in there. You roll your eyes at a lot of stuff I say on this show but I never use props. You know what? <laughs> I'm your, I'm the counterbalance to that. You're, That's why I do what I do. You're the carrot top equivalent to me. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Not mad about it. Over my head. Who's that? <laughs> Devin, that means you have to be the Jeff Dunham. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Devin. I'm really <laughs> sorry. Oh my God. I got Grogu back. Jeff there. Dunham or Jeff Foxworth. You got to pick a Jeff. Oh, it'll be Jeff Foxworthy then, hundred percent. I'd rather go Dunham. <laughs> I was obsessed in middle school. It's a whole thing. Really? Oh my gosh! All of okay. it. We're about as far away from Kira Dunham Dunham as we That's can fine. get. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everybody we, had a Dunham phase. Everybody had one. Mine was on a steak. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, anything else we want to touch on before we wrap this up? I want to watch more Kurosawa. Knowing, Me too. Knowing that the main actors in six, or the main actor, General Maccabee, 
uh, is in 16 other Kurosawa films. I want to watch more because I loved him in this and want to see more. Also, I didn't know Samurai wore such short shorts. I was surprised. Yeah. Um... I mean, that's where the sound guy for Star Wars got his his uh, uniform. was the short shorts. Is it? Have you not seen the picture of the sound guy on Star Wars? The no. pink shorts. No. Okay. So you don't know this? I'm going to no. send you the picture. There is a picture of the, the boom operator on Star Wars in the desert when they're filming the Tatooine stuff. Just wearing mm-hmm. short, pink short shorts. And that's it. <laughs> Like, it, like I mean, he passed away a few months ago. This was big news. Oh, I've never, no. Like, he's one of the, like, unsung heroes of, like, the Star Wars fandom. Wow, no, I had no idea. Okay. I can't um, wait to see this. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely going to be wanting to see more of his stuff. Uh, simply because, like, I really liked it. And I liked it more than, you know, like, I thought I would. Uh, because at first, when it first started, I was just like, oh, my God, this is like a Japanese version of a Western. But I found it a lot more interesting. Um, and I also like the fact that because it was made in Japan um, by people who grew up in that country, that I like seeing the depiction of their history the way they see it in like a real, you know, in a real lens mm-hmm. to per se. Because I like the fact that they showed the soldiers the soldiers um beaten worn torn clothing they weren't all wearing matching uniforms they weren't always in armor and when they did show a samurai in his full armor like he was dead within like three seconds yeah and it also showed that like his armor was was you know like wasn't all the way intact either because whenever like in our you know like an american made films and they show samurai like it's beautiful. The armor is just so, you know, like put together so well. But then if you watch, you know, like anything about like European history that's set in, you know, like the medieval times, rarely do you ever see a knight in shining armor because it's all dull and tinted. Right. You know? So, I mean, it it was just really nice to see a realistic depiction of like Jap, you know, like Japanese military during that time period. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I think the only other movie that I've seen that I can remember that has to deal with like military history in Japan is, and Ryan's going to hate this, Ninja Turtles 3. Uh, <laughs> you know, which is just the, a fact. Like, I'm not, I'm not defending no, that it, film. I'm just saying I, know. I need to watch more. And that's why I'm like, like, okay, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Um, Definitely, I saw The Last Samurai when I was younger, and I need to revisit that, because I'm not sure. After seeing this, I'm not sure if I would like Last Samurai as much as I did the first time I saw it. I mean, after watching Tom Tom Cruise on Oprah, I don't know if I'd appreciate The Last Samurai anymore. (laughs) Well, because, I mean, okay, so like, okay, so since I saw The Last Samurai, I've seen Dances with Wolves twice, and I've seen Avatar like 10 times. Um, So to me, that storyline's already been beaten into the ground as far as it can go. So it's just like, oh, let's see what happens when it's like, you know, um, uh, somebody from with white skin going over and doing it over in Japan instead of Mm -hmm. doing it in like, you know, the Midwest. You bring up a good point. And that's the story. The, the, there are only 36 stories that have been told. You just change all of the different settings and characters and all that. Yeah. I mean, that 
that is an archetype of a story, just like Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey is a, a story. One of them. Um, so, yeah. One of these days, I want to memorize that list because I think that list is really cool. Uh, I mean, I mean, even South Park did it with Cartman and the Smurfs. It's true, though. <laughs> okay, uh, I think that does it for the yeah. Hidden Fortress. I don't know when the poster disappeared. But, no, yeah, I'm I'm not bringing it back up now. I miss it. Uh, it so was a nice poster. It was. Um, can I bring it back up? That's not it. That's it. There we go. Um, so next week, I believe it is Devin's turn to pick a film. Yes. Is that right? Devin, what are you going to have us watch? I am going to have you both watch In Bruges. In Bruges? In Bruges. Yes. I I am so excited for you two to watch this movie. I've never seen it. This has been on, this has been high on my list for a long time. Ryan, how about you? Have you seen this? In Bruges. Uh, it's a 2018 Martin McDonough movie. Uh, it stars, oh man, a lot of people. Colin Farrell. Um, 2008. Ralph Fiennes. That... Yeah, 2008. 2008. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he said 20. He did uh... say 2018. Yeah, okay. Did correct. I say 2018? So I, I meant right. 2008. Yeah. It's one in the morning here. Yeah. Um, 2008. Yeah, that's why we're trying to wrap this up. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, good. Until then. Oh, okay, good. Until then, you can uh, so make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our videos and other fun stuff that we post there. Um, you can like us on Facebook where, to find out when we're going to be live. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram to see some fun stuff that we post there and know when our latest episodes have been released. You can also subscribe to our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. You while you're there, you can also find our first commentary for Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. If that goes over well, we'll probably do more in the future. Um, I feel like there's a Marvel movie coming up that we might have to do something leading into. Um, so we're gonna we're playing with that a little bit, seeing how that goes. Um, but you can subscribe to all to us on all major podcasting platforms. If you're watching us here on Twitch, go ahead and hit that follow button to get alerts for next time that we are live. Uh, again, happy Star Wars Day. May the Force be with you. I'm just going to say Force because the Force is strong in all of us. <laughs> um, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And like Karasura, I make mad films. Okay, well, I don't make films. But if I did, they'd have a samurai. See you next wow. week. Wow. <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies Pool? <laughs>